1: Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanillo with Jim Kramer, live at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. Futures are solid on this Fed day, thanks in part to some decent guidance, not just from Google, Microsoft, but also Texan, Hilton, Timo, Waste Management, Visa. We will get to all of it. Durables with a nice beat as well. Our roadmap, two big hours ahead. The CEOs of Boeing, T-Mobile, Chipotle, Mondelez, Plus, an exclusive with Senator Elizabeth Warren calling rate hikes, quote, an ineffective inflation cure. Has the bar been lowered for big tech? Alphabet, Microsoft move higher pre market, and Kathy Woods coin flip offloading shares of Coinbase for the first time this year. Let's first get right to the mega cap tech names, Alphabet and Microsoft moving higher despite missing on earnings, Jim. A lot of it came. You know, the word we heard most last night was relief when it came to some of the guys. Yeah, these are
2: all better than feared BTF. Uh, I do think that when you look at uh, Azure, uh, uh, Saudi Nadella made the point very big up front. The numbers are extraordinary for Azure, and that's what we really cared about. We all knew that Windows was going to be just kind of weaker, the consumer weaker enterprise. Fantastic. I like the quarter very much. Uh, (laughs) You know, there'll be some issues that what what Amy Hood did for depreciation. Maybe some will say it made the quarter look better. I think they've added enough equipment that that's not true. Amy Hood uh, caused the stock to jump. CFO, uh, as the quarter went on, as the conference call went on, spike up when Amy Hood spoke. I always tell people, please wait till Amy speaks. <laughs> do Amy for 30, 35 years, is getting long in the tooth. Uh, look, Alphabet, I thought, was another one, which was just better than feared. I mean, but they're spending a lot of money on uh, Google Cloud. That also has big read-through for high-performance computers, uh, AMD, NVIDIA, and Marvell Tech. Uh, I like the fact that, that Google is so not Snap that the people who thought it was Snap really have to rethink their game plan or maybe their careers. Because the idea that somehow a fourth-rate uh, internet power like Snap could be, could be even discussed in the same sentence as, as uh, Alphabet is really unfortunate. Yeah.
1: although some also argue uh, Alphabet has a moat around some of those privacy changes that may be protected even better well, than Meta's. You know, we
2: have to call it first, first party. Meta has not been able, I think, to crack yet. As Meta reports tonight, obviously, this problem of how to get around Apple reporting. I think that they will, but it's not done yet. The strength in Meta, I think, can still come from from Insta ads. Uh, there are many of the, but many of the companies, I'm just to to Direka Ben Kieser, what are they doing? They're spending a lot of money on digital, but money tends to go toward Amazon and Google. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what Amazon says, by the way, because a lot of people are very concerned that Amazon has lost its edge. Now, I know that's not tonight. and I really really don't want to conflate anything. that's tonight because there's so much going on. But I I think that Amazon actually could be similar to what we see. I think that. that Apple could be similar to what we see. And what these are really we've come down enough that if we hear anything that's better than fear, we bounce. Uh, if it comes out, that it's come down, and it's even worse, like Snap, where there were many people had a buy on it, then it can still get crushed. But a better than fear just working. Uh, when I looked at Alphabet, there was nothing I liked about it. Everything was bad. Yep. Yeah. And yet the sum total of it was good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, the, uh, the operating margin miss, obviously the headline miss, and then also the discussion of what this whole reset has done to the corporate mindset. This is right. what Peach I said last night. Take a listen.
3: It's a good time to sharpen our focus. Uh, Personally, I find uh, moments like these clarifying. It's a chance to digest and, uh, you know, make sure we are working on the right things as a company with uh, taking a long-term view, uh, making sure we are continuing to invest in deep technology and computer science and doing differentiated work, and gives a chance to assess everything we are doing uh, with, uh, with a critical lens and and reallocate resources to our most uh, critical uh, priorities.
1: By the way, um, 15 billion of buybacks in the quarter is up nice sequentially.
2: Right, look, I mean, the sum total of, of, of what happened, it's the sum total of our fears completely dashed. In other words, you're seeing companies pull away. I mean, Alphabet is pulling away from everyone. There's no one even going to touch them in terms of search. Uh, Microsoft is pulling away. Uh, in terms of Azure, it's doing incredibly well. I'm surprised that Alphabet's still willing to put so much money toward Google Cloud, but they do think that they have a good hand. Uh, search is amazing. And I think that one of the things I'm really upset about is that People keep talking about advertising being down. I have said from the beginning that the advertising dollars will just go to the winners. Mm. Uh, I remember in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, passed the bulletin. Uh-huh as the largest paper. The Bolton got no advertising and the Inquirer got it all. We are seeing the same thing happen right now. The most effective ROI is Alphabet advertising. It is very interesting to me, by the way. I don't understand why Alphabet doesn't tell that story better. I mean, maybe that's a story that, that you don't want to hear if you're, uh, if you're a senator from Illinois, say, who, uh, a, senator, no, a senator from Minnesota. There's a lot of people in the Senate who are very worried that what's happening is, is that Alphabet is steering people toward the right places. At the same time, if you're an advertiser and, and you're a customer, don't you want to be steered? Uh, that's usually if you have intent. Yeah, right. you want to be steered. I mean, I think it, because you mentioned <laughs> Senator Warren, so I really got the senator on my mind. Uh, the senators seem to be uniquely focused on these companies, as is the uh, as the FTC. The Justice Department is more focused on spirit. And I think, and I just want to tell people right now who are advising in the spirit, advising uh, on JetBlue, um, you're making a lot of money for nothing. And it's really shameless because your deal will not go through. Your deal will not go through. You've been critical of the deal for a while. Well, I mean. Look, just pay me. Pay me $5. I give you much better advice. I know more than you. I did better in antitrust than you, and I've got better contacts than you. Done.
1: We'll talk some airlines. Obviously, we'll keep covering uh, Alphabet Microsoft. And we'll watch Boeing today uh, out with some uh, results before the bell. Uh, pretty good cash flow numbers. Let's get to Phil bow alongside Dave Calhoun. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl.
4: Dave, you missed on the top and the bottom line, but Carl referenced the cash flow numbers better than expected you talk about this being a quarter that you move towards stability. Give me some, some perspective on the quarter from you as you look at it.
5: Yeah, well, as, as you know and as we've talked over the quarters, uh, operating cash flow has been our focus. Um, we went to the capital markets. We asked for a big number. They gave it to us, and our objective is to make sure that we And you're it positive for the quarter. And, and get our balance sheet exactly where it should be. So, yes, we're positive. We view it as a bit of a turning point with respect to the cash flow generation. Um, and it is a big deal to us. And yes, stability is the word of the day for us. In a world where supply chain constraints grab you every other week, every other month, um, you have to build a production system, engineering system that, that uh, prizes stability and ultimately uh, it serves our customers.
4: Let's talk about 737 MAX. And in particular, Michael O'Leary, you know him well from Ryanair, you've known him for a number of years. Look, they had their earnings earlier this week, and he pretty much came at you guys guns blazing, saying what's going on with the MAX. In particular, they have a number uh, that they expect delivered, I think 200, and he said, and I quote, if there's any delay in delivering 21 of those 200 Boeing aircraft, we think that will be inexplicable and unacceptable. The implication here is that you guys have intimated to them, you may not be able to deliver the full complement of airplanes that they're expecting.
5: Yeah, it's, uh, first of all, we're not in a fight. He's right. And we need to uh, build a predictable delivery system. And right now it's not nailing it. Uh, And so, look, our objective is to get to stability where each and every delivery is perfectly predictable. In the supply chain world we're living in right now, that is difficult. But uh, we're not going to be in a fight with Michael. Michael's right. And the good news is it's a reflection of the demand he sees.
4: So there's no issue with meeting the cadence of deliveries that they're expecting?
5: Well, there is an issue with respect to predicting it perfectly. And if you miss by a week with Michael, you're off. And that's, uh, that's, what, we have to, that's what we have to live up to.
2: Um, Dave, Jim's got a question for you. Yeah, Dave, first, congratulations. Obviously, I think that you had a, a big sea change. Uh, after the air show. Obviously, your, your planes are very much in demand. The president sp- will be speaking to President Xi. Uh, it looks like that your competitor is not Airbus, but actually the country of France, with Macron d- directly getting orders for, for countries and uh, making a big appeal in China. Uh, what would you say if you were advisor to President uh, Biden about talking to Xi to get those orders so that they don't all go to France? Well, look,
5: Jim, it's the, it's the perfect question. Um, we are in the midst of uh, geopolitical tensions without a doubt. Um, we congratulated the French when they when they did do their deal. Uh, we hope that we can get a constructive discussion going between our country and China with respect to trade and the free trade we've enjoyed. We've always had a view that our trade with China is free and fair. And we've stood by our customers in China will continue to do so. so. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, um, and uh, I hope and will encourage our administration to, to do business with China with respect to aviation and Boeing.
2: You know, Dave, I'm very impressed with free cash flow, very impressed with what I think is going to be a very good cash number by the end of the year. People have always been worried that, well, a secondary, you know, that a big offering is in the midst. But right now, with the momentum you have, with the possibility the FAA is going to make some approvals. It'll be very exciting. It looks like to me that you got clear sailing, at least for the next four quarters. Is that fair?
5: Um, It's definitely, uh, in contrast to the last four quarters, a fair statement. I will never consider a quarter uh, going forward as, as a free uh, you know sort of a free pass. But yeah, things look a lot better for us, a little more predictable on a lot of fronts. Um, we have CERT activity going on with our airplanes. We're confident and feel good about how that's going. The FAA relationship has been constructed. So these are all things that are favorable for us in thinking about our move forward. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a a fairly uh, good representation of what we see.
4: Dave, talking about relationships, you've got the machinists in St. Louis. You've got three plants down there in the St. Louis area uh, where you are, it's your defense business. And they have said, we're going on strike Monday. Can you avert a strike? Uh, Because right now they're they're asking for hefty increases in, in both compensation as well as retirement benefits.
5: Yeah, and I don't know the answer to that. This is a reflection of the macro world we're in. Um, high inflation numbers they read about every single day in their newspapers um, they do have high expectations and we we feel like we have made a very strong offer uh, certainly with respect to any historical context but even in a high inflationary environment so we're disappointed in the vote without a doubt we will continue to work with them to get to resolution and we will prepare for any disruptions that ultimately come about so what are those contingency yeah. plans well, contingency plans are to minimize disruptions with our, our federal government customer, uh, make certain they're aware of each and every delivery as we as we look forward. But
4: they could be delayed, obviously.
5: Oh, for sure. There's no question they can and, and would be. So our job is to manage that risk financially. Um, this is not the biggest exposure in the world. but. Any uh, riff we have with our employees, I view as a significant thing, and we have to we have to get ahead of
4: it. You mentioned the FAA and the 787 Dreamliner. How close are we, do you believe? And I know you don't want to give a date. Are you to potentially seeing them saying, okay, you're good to go with inspections to resume deliveries? And then do you increase your production? How quickly do you increase your production?
5: Yeah, so dangerous ground for me to suggest a date. Um, but I do believe relative to our history here and all the good work done by our customers, our employees, and the FAA, we're on the verge, and I feel, that, I feel strongly about that. So um, our job is to get this to the finish line, start delivering, and then because of demand and because what we see is a fairly robust market, even for wide bodies as we look forward, we're going to increase that rate as quickly as we can, but stability always number one.
4: I think Jim has one more question for you. Uh, Jim, go ahead.
2: Yeah, David, you know, I never really got to ask you, you uh, you moved from Seattle to uh, Chicago, you moved to Washington, and I've never really understood the move to Washington. And I say that because I, I know you want to be as close to manufacturing as possible, but that doesn't do it. So please give me a concise view about why it's worth making that move.
5: So, Jim, the bigger story inside the headquarters activities at Boeing uh, started in january of 2020 when we took all of the operating leaders that uh we had in our headquarter offices in chicago and we moved them directly back to the action get close to your work that was our philosophy um our engineering leader went to the engineers our manufacturing leader went to the ma- went to the plants so we moved all that operating things out and now we're talking about myself and my cfo and maybe my chief hr person and our job is to be in the road, on the road, as often as we can. And if you looked at my travel schedule, you know that that's what we do. So we made a big move to decentralize and get operators close to their work. And yes, we had a we had a footprint in Chicago, honestly, that was too big for what was left. Um, and this was a, sort of a rationalization of that footprint. And being in D.C. for me is actually pretty beneficial. Because when I'm here, I get to visit with my customer at the Pentagon. I get to visit with regulators when I need to. I get to visit with congressional offices when I need to. It's a, it's a fairly productive station for me. The bigger story is that press out to the business, out to the work. That happened quite a while ago.
4: Dave, you've got the uh, coming out of Farnborough where you had the huge order with Delta for the 737 Max 10, 100 of them, uh, and other orders as well. It was a successful show. But there are a lot of people who look at the order backlog between you and Airbus, and Airbus has has substantially more orders than you do. How do you close that gap?
5: Well, we don't need to close that gap. So let me just describe. We're in a supply-constrained industry. It'll be supply-constrained for as far as I can see. Um, So years, not months. Um, if, If that's true, our job is to deliver against our backlog and continue to build that backlog, and that is what's going on. So for me to try to measure my backlog against their backlog isn't really the world's most productive exercise. My job is to make sure I've got a big enough backlog to continue to increase my rate, stay stable in production, and satisfy our customers every step of the way. What we saw at the air show were Boeing products. Very proud of that product line. A 777X. Certified in 25, you saw it fly, and it was magnificent. The Dash 10, certified at the end of the year, you saw it fly, and it was magnificent. When we stand next to our products, we look pretty good, and that's why it was a big show for us and important. And we got an order book. Yeah, we got a big order book, but importantly, it covered every one of those airplanes.
4: Dave Calhoun, CEO of Boeing. Speaking of that order book, guys, it now tops 4,200 planes as they uh, are now building 31 maxes per month. That is the production rate. That's what they were targeting. They are there now. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Good to be here in D.C. Guys, we'll send it back to you.
1: Thank you. All right, great stuff as always, Phil. Thanks for that. Uh, More broadly, Jim, travel, if you look at Visa and Hilton this morning, is going to ratify the fact that at least the hotel ETFs are having their best month ever.
2: Right. And you just simply have to listen to Al Kelly because Visa is just extraordinary, and the numbers he's talking about. Uh, they are 136 percent volume increase over 2019. Strong recovery. He's, these numbers are as of yet, last night. Commercial transactions way up. Cross-border incredible. Discretionary spending strengthened. Now, these are all things that maybe the, Jay Powell doesn't want to hear about they're doing. The fact that Visa stock is down is mystifying to me. Yep. Restaurants high end up 160 to 180 percent. Bought back $2.5 billion of stock. And most importantly, people are traveling like they'd never before. So if President Biden wants to make a deal with China, here's what I would suggest. I'd say drop the tariffs in return for buying as many planes as you promised Macron, 300, and, by the way, their union jobs, Mr. President, which is what Mr. President seems He's to care more about than anything jobs. else. Well,
1: he and she are expected to speak uh, before the week is yeah, up. Yeah, let's make that deal.
2: Yeah. Let's make a deal. I just gave him everything he needs. I'm tired of advising. <laughs> Still
1: to come this morning, another big earnings mover uh, at this hour. Don't miss the t Mobile. Stocks already up uh, nearly 20% for the year. Smoke. As they raise their sub-guidance for the second time this year. We'll get to Texan and CMG and Spot and Otis and a lot more when we come back. Pre-market gains holding in there as we are obviously on FedWatch this afternoon. We're awash in corporate results and some macro as well. Durables came in, second best number of the year. And wholesale inventories, four-tenths above expectations. That is going to have big implications for the GDP number tomorrow. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and Countdown to the opening bell in a moment.
0: The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. And a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower? The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Time
1: for Kramer's Mad Dash ahead of the opening bell. Jim, you've been taking a, keeping a list of companies with better than feared
2: yes, results. Yes, thank you very much. is one of them. Yes, I think actually they may be much better than feared. Texas Instruments had a terrific number. They're, they're not an eloquent company. They just tend to tell it as it is. This stock is going to break out here. And the reason is because they not only had unbelievable automobile business revenue of $560 million above the midpoint guidance. Pretty extraordinary. But they said they can shift. They can take these machines that make personal, which has been weaker, and switches to auto, which is just music to Jim Farley's ear, Ford reports this this evening, and also to Mary Barra. So I just see there's no sense in selling this stock. The semis have been pulled down endlessly. It's been just a horrendous group. Texas Instruments is going to distinguish itself as being sharply better than expected. They keep buying back stock. It's a very well-run company, but it's a company that just doesn't ever brag, yeah. but they should have this quarter. Guiding ahead after NXP and after the chip spill is probably going to go. NXPI was just fantastic again for auto. People are so gloomy. Now, do we have a great number for Qualcomm? Uh, I would rather be in Qualcomm than not be in Qualcomm, which is why my trust is in it. But can I just tell you, main thing here, don't forget Google. That's great for Marvel. That's great for AMD. And that's great for the most hated stock I've ever seen, Nvidia.
1: Oh yeah, and we'll get Qualcomm tonight. We'll get the opening bell coming up after this break. Later today, the Fed will conclude its two-day meeting and announce its latest interest rate decision. Many expecting the fourth rate increase in about five months, Jim. And of course, we're going to have a little bit of a pause here of meetings until we get September.
2: Well, uh, the Bulls have to hope that there is a pause and that, and that uh, the, the that Fed, Fed Chairman Powell does not feel that things have gotten so out of hand that he actually says, look, we, we can't wait. Uh, we're going we're to reconvene. There's nothing that says that they can't just, you know what, we're going to make a decision even during August. Uh, look, they used, you know, they used to convene the Supreme Court in Dantucket in the summer, they, can beat the, they certainly can be able to convene the Federal Reserve in yep. August. Yeah, that's so. actually.
1: Uh, people say, what would be good questions? One is, where's the where's the bar for right. an intra meeting meeting? Right. right, and as well as what's the line between. Uh, shifting from a a hike cycle to a cut cycle. Yes, and now we do have
2: uh, many items in the producer basket have come down. I know uh, actually almost every single one has come down. I was recently mocked in the FT uh, for saying that inflation had peaked, and I'd like to say that I'll take them any day of the week. I'll, I'll throw a salmon at their salmon paper. They can throw their paper at me. I certainly have the edge. I'm telling you that the raw cost of Pete, but not the service. Yes. And uh, I'm sure that, that Jay Powell is saying, hold it, American Express and Visa are doing this well. Well, maybe we have to slow more.
1: I don't know if you've seen lumber today. 550. It's on pace for
2: the worst well, year in yeah. the history well, of the commodity. Well, yeah, I mean, people should think about that. Not only that, but the mortgage applications are now back to where they were in 2000. We have, if you think about it, a lot more people in this country than we had in the year 2000. So yes, lumber's a good. Aluminum is down. Uh, obviously, you know. I met with Newcore yesterday. Some steel is down. I just keep coming back to look out. The raw costs are coming down. Housing is clearly peaked. When housing peaks, it then rolls over very fast. Will the Texas Instruments of the world come to uh, help the auto companies just when the, when the financing reaches 7%? Yeah. I don't know. I, the raw costs have peaked. Uh, ask Sherwin-Williams, though. Oh, brother. Ask Sherwin-Williams. They still have some uh, raw cost problems. Not everything is PTIO2, that nemesis with, uh, that makes things whiter. It just never seems to work. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, where we are is you do the three-quarters and then you wait. Because if things are really peaking on the three-quarters, and I'm looking at mortgage applications, then I say, well, wait a second. Look at, look at what happened with Walmart the largest retailer, yeah. which was horrendous, uh, and look at what's happening with housing. Uh, and then you have to figure out what to do about with travel, entertainment, and leisure. But uh, where, why, because there's such a gulf a right now between the affluent people who are spending like it's mad, LVMH.
1: Because the warnings from Walmart um, and Target and Bed Bath and even Adidas, sort of collides with what, say, LVMH said yesterday. Yeah,
2: I mean, LVMH, they're obviously their numbers weren't as good as the previous quarter. But I've got to tell you, LVMH just is there isn't anything in that in that portfolio that you can just afford if you're you know, an average person. But then you have something like, uh, uh, you know, Reckitt Benckiser, which just had an amazing number. And there's just hygiene took off during, hygiene took off during the pandemic, and it's been staying strong. Uh, I'm looking for things that the affluent people and the non-affluent people are doing, and there's not a lot of, uh, let's just put it this way. If you're the Fed chief, I think you have to be thinking, I'm hurting the working person, and somehow I'm not hurting the affluent. The affluent are still spending, they're creating a big problem when it comes to uh, to, to job hop when it comes to spend, so maybe we're not done. And I think that all of us would agree that if you that inflation is running way too high, certainly he will. Sure, but you know, there is a moment where we have to say, well, let's let's push and wait. Maybe we wait for the summer, see if the PPI keeps coming down, right. or see if the Financial Times is right, the PPI keeps going up.
1: We'll see, for the time being, uh, a lot of travel names leading the charge this morning, cruise lines, hotels. You see Chipotle on that winner's list, Jim. Comp's up 10 1, uh, and they
2: do guide comps to mid high single digits. Right, now I think that one of the things that's very encouraging about Chipotle is they're talking about these average unit volumes that can get up to five, six million. They have great throughput. That's Jack Hartung, the excellent CFO, talking about how things could really, really cook if you get it right. Ryan Nichols is a great leader. And it is very clear to me that when you pay people well, when you get them out of the jobs that people don't want, like the chippy making the chips, and you have these great make lines and you have Chipotle's, Chipotle's crushing it, that there's room for a lot more Chipotle's. And I, I love the fact they said there's lines everywhere. You know, lines in Philadelphia, I always like to sit in Philadelphia. can like, "Well, oh, Philadelphia, is <laughs> anything going on right in Philadelphia? But I, I just thought it was an excellent conference call, except for that idea that the sales, that the, they're going to go down a little bit lower, but uh, for the same store. But I thought what was really important is, again, better than fear. Yeah. Better than feared, which then gets you to think, I know people are going to come up with the conclusion, that maybe the really great franchises have come down. Their stocks have come down too much. But the mediocre franchises can just keep going down. By the way, when we look at these, uh, at what's going on with the New York Stock Exchange? What's going on with the Nasdaq? We don't see a lot of new companies coming public. But more importantly, when you think of the companies that came public in last year, they're just a disaster. And I don't know how they're going to raise any more money. I mean, what do you do? There's an F-45. Do you remember that? The, the, the company, that of course, was, we we talked to them on the floor. Uh, they can't. They can the CEO. I mean, they can the, the numbers were horrendous there. Uh, I just find that there's a lot of imp- Weber. I mean, maybe Weber is very much what i most worry about, which is l- large debt, slowdown, people still in it, high penetration, high penetration yeah. versus some of the companies that really were ter- terrific this morning. See, I I, I just think. When you go and listen to Microsoft and you listen to what Azure is doing, you realize they have the better mousetrap. And it's very clear to me that the world's dividing among Walmart.com, Target.com versus Amazon, FedEx aligned with uh, doing great logistics work with Walmart and Target versus Amazon's logistics. The world is coming down to just a couple of companies.
1: So basically what you're talking about are are the established entrenched giants crushing, the upstarts that that were raising capital like crazy.
2: Yes, exactly. Now it is interesting to think that that Shopify, which I have on tonight, is back to it's back to where the, before the big bump from pandemic. That's why Kathy Wood just bought uh, one point eight million shares. Yeah, she sold some Coinbase. That was smart. Yeah. Yeah, I know we were all kind of cackling. That well, wait a second. She bought Shopify and it's down. Well, no, but I mean the stock has come down a great deal. It actually looks like the chart of what happened with the pandemic. The stock has been very much in keeping. Some people were telling me, listen, you know, Jim, it should never been where it was, and I agree with that. But I also know when I speak to Harley tonight uh, that there is, they didn't wipe out the small, small, medium-sized business cohort. Uh, They just didn't. It's still thriving. See, I think a lot of people are really caught here, really caught, Carl, because there's so much that is good. And remember, Al Kelly, Visa represents a lot of the country. American Express represents a lot of the country. Now you can say, Jim, they only represent the wealthy. But I would say, no, they represent the middle class and wealthy. Fed job not done because of that? I guess.
1: Your point about uh, the COVID pull forward, uh, the big head fake, uh, the normalization, uh, it, whether it's Shopify, Spotify as well. Uh, the guidance sort of mixed, and they're going to reduce hiring by 25% in the back <laughs>
2: half. Yeah, and Spotify—they just added millions of users, really beat monthly users by five million. Uh, ads still doing okay. Uh, I think that one. Of the, yeah, this yeah, is exactly here's another way to look at it. Exactly. Shopify brought down by Netflix. Okay. Uh, Google brought down by Snap. Well, uh, you know, Snap. Can we just, you know, I stick a fork in it. Uh, Netflix is obviously kind of, for the moment, wayward. And these, Netflix also brought down Disney. Now, everyone's cutting numbers. My Chapel Trust owns Disney, and I hate hate Mickey and Minnie, and I throw darts at them every night. And believe me, I don't even, I'm starting not to even, I'm starting to regret the 10 times I went to, to Disney World. But isn't that one cheap? What does it take to make that franchise cheap if travel's so strong? Uh,
1: I mean, Evercore today cuts it. They were at 150. They go to 130. But they also cut Live Nation. They cut Fox. They cut Warner uh, to 25 from 40.
2: Yeah, I I think that Warner's balance sheet is awful. No No one put the wood to Paramount today? I
1: think they include uh, one of their cuts Oh good. I just want to be sure that there was, was nothing great, positive about yes. Paramount because
2: <laughs> it's really important that even though they had a great schedule and they've done a lot of things right, it's important to put it to Paramount every single day. By the way, I mean, there's some companies that just, they're not getting any breaks. Uh, PayPal. We haven't yeah. talked about Elliot yet. No, there you the go. They finally, I mean, look, I have no idea what Elliot wants to do, but I will tell you. And the journal doesn't know the size of the stake. No, no, but you know, I would, when I look at it, here's some things they could think about. They got a tremendous customer base. Got 400 million consumers, uh, but the op, the spending has been out of control. Uh, they don't really. They're still looking for a CFO. The free, cost, the free cash flow yield is extraordinary here. Um, they have Braintree, which is an amazing, uh, amazing division. Venmo, which has not been monetized. They're, the cost structure is way, way too high. So there's a lot of work that could be done there. Uh, and I owned PayPal for a long time for my trust. Uh, uh, I lost trust in, in Dan, but I think that Dan Schulman. But I think that the franchise has come, uh, the franchise has tremendous value, which is what I saw. And I totally understand why the stock would be up this much, if not more, because there's a lot of room for Elliott to really push.
1: Some of the industrial names, Jim, you got Otis and Waste Management at one-month highs. Waste
2: Management was just sensational, and I was, you know, the stock has been just paused. Uh, the initial read on Otis was so negative, and yet Judy Marks has just done a remarkable job. Remember, this is, uh, this is Otis worldwide. Without any help from China whatsoever, fantastic numbers in Europe, service revenues extraordinary. The margin in service revenues. I mean, you know what, China, does, they still inspect. I mean, it isn't like they say, you know what? we got to cut back on safety. Yeah. They don't do that. As a matter of fact, she is actually addicted to safety, which is one of the reasons why he won zero COVID. Uh, but I thought that Otis did a remarkable job. They're returning a lot of capital. Judy Marks should be celebrated because construction has been good, and she's been getting her fair share of yeah. it. As Nucor said to me yesterday, construction is good in this country. Now, I, again, I mean, I keep, I keep cavating by saying, does J-PAL say, look, construction is good, spending is good, inflation is too good. we got to slow this thing down. We got to slow this monster down. This monster is just doing very, very well. Uh,
1: yeah, Otis, as you as you point out, Jim, new equipment orders up sixteen. That's incredible. Some, uh, a lot of people use waste management as a, as an economic bellwether. I think
2: that's right. More trash, you're creating more output. I think that Jim Fish has done a remarkable job. Remember, they are a construction oriented company. When you're building housing projects, that's their best business. Their worst business is refuse collection. Uh, of course, they do a lot of that. Jim has been instrumental, by the way, in trying to get his trucks to be uh, less, fewer diesel. Uh, he's also very well known for perhaps having the single best golf tournament done at the same time as the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I think Jim is remarkable, and he. a lot of analysts continue to doubt him. And that's a mistake. 28 times earnings people think is too much. I don't think so. They are doing a terrific job.
1: Um, Kraft is going to be one of the big laggards today. Uh, They do beat. They raised the guide. Organic, Jim, they raised the guide on organic sales. 12 points of price, volume down two. Some say that was pretty good.
2: Well, you know, look, I am addicted to companies that have volume and price that are, I want organic growth. Organic growth not shown here. Uh, if you just do it all by price at a certain point, people just say, you know what? Those cheese slices that mom bought for me. I remember when mom was saying once, let's not buy the ones that have cellophane. Pop, it didn't do well this month. Let's just buy the ones that have none. Mm-hmm. You'll go to the ones that have none. I-, I do not like this quarter. I think it's going up a lot and it's going up enough because they don't deserve it. They just don't deserve it. They have not done a good, you know, They've not done you know, They're just simply not doing as badly. That's not a reason to buy a stock. You hey, think- you know, they're not as bad as they used to be. Imagine if I told you, you know, we have some... Ten- David Faber, he's not as bad as he used to be. I say that because David's not here, and it's I safe. miss him very much. Yes. But that would be like basically saying, well, awful. And Faber's great. Hines bad. Yep. Okay, uh, there.
1: Well, we're going to watch a lot of the CPG companies, especially in the wake of the Walmart.
2: Mondelēz and- hanging Mondelez in too- there. Yep, yep. I thought Dirk's doing a good job. Uh, Kimberly Clark, another... Uh, price target downgrade. And we mentioned Sherwin-Williams. This is all enterprise. Enterprise is good. If you listen to Microsoft, you don't feel any any reassurance about consumer. Uh, as a matter of fact, consumer just slowed down dramatically. We're but gonna, enterprise is very good.
1: We're, we're good. Finally, we're going to talk to Mike Siever to Timo, in a little bit. But do you think that they at all echo what we heard from Verizon NT last week? Um, In terms of overdue bill concerns, I, uh, my friend turn. John Ledger
2: and I can call him uh, my friend because he's no longer the CEO. Always called them Dumb and Dumber, but would never identify which ATT, which is Verizon Dumb and Dumber. Yes, I don't think we need to worry about. It. We can just call them both dumb, because T-Mobile is crushing it, crushing them. It must be, it must be. I mean, Hans Vestberg, listen to me. You got to do better. You're killing people.
1: Uh, they definitely got someone on, on, on the prowl. Uh, we're going to talk to Steve it, as we said later on, along with an exclusive with Senator Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah. Calling rate hikes an ineffective inflation cure. Bit of a back and forth with Larry Summers last few days. Before we go to break, and take a look at the bond report as we await the Fed decision and press conference later on this afternoon. Uh, you do have uh, the 10-year and the 2-year continuing to invert the levels you really haven't seen since 07, uh, the dot-com bust, 2-year back to 304. We'll be right back. Got some gains here on the SP, about 1%. Meantime, as we said, don't miss the CEO of T Mobile uh, live at Post Nine breaking down the company's latest earnings. What a winner it's been so far uh, this year. Uh, almost 20% gains so far. We're back in a couple of minutes. Shares of T-Mobile gaining this morning after reporting second quarter results. Company raising its outlook across the board, reiterating its commitment to not raising rates on customer plans. Joining us on the CNBC first this morning, Mike Stevert is the CEO of T-Mobile. It's a pleasure to have him back at Post9. Welcome.
3: Thanks, man. Good to have you. Appreciate it. Uh,
1: the sub guidance is all people want to talk about. How is it happening? even as we're hearing all these other cautionary signals about the economy.
3: Well, you know, last year was our biggest year ever, 5.5 million postpaid net additions, and we just guided to 6 to 6.3 for this year. Big gain. It would be our best year ever. And that's because overall, Q1 and Q2, as it relates to new accounts, were the biggest Q1s and Q2s ever in our history. You know, this quarter, we delivered 380,000 new accounts. That's the highest quarter ever in our history. And you guys have been following us for a long time. We've had some big growth quarters in the past. But didn't you leave a
2: lot on the table? Your competitors, I'm sorry, AT&T and Verizon, they raised
3: prices big, citing inflation. It looks like you're keeping prices steady. I feel like uh, they might be using inflation as an excuse. Uh, Listen, you know, for a decade now, as the uncarrier, we have at every choice point had a choice between being a carrier just like them or being the uncarrier. So not only did we not raise rates by to the tune of nearly 2 billion dollars like our competitors, we introduced price lock and told our competitors not only didn't we, but we won't because that's what the uncarrier does. And we think that's not just you know, great for consumers, that's great for our business. You know, for a decade we have pursued that strategy and we have outgrown everybody as a result. And that's exactly the strategy we're pursuing. Are you not facing the same cost pressures that they are? Well, we have cost pressures like anyone. You know, we see it in labor. Uh, We see bad debt returning to normative levels from before the pandemic, and and those things are obviously things to watch. But we also have long-term arrangements. We locked in long-term contracts for uh, equipment, for networking, for backhaul, including multi-year contracts that locked in pre-inflationary pressure CPI rates. So, we, you know, fixed, fixed debt structure. So you know, we have some insulation that other companies and other sectors don't have.
2: Well, I want to know. I mean, ATT, they were doing movies for a while. I guess that didn't really work. I mean, Direct TV. I guess that didn't really work. Mexican Wire, guess like, that didn't really work. But they did have people not paying their bills on time. So I want to know how many people, you know, how long, how was it bad, How bad was it for you? How long did they take and how many days did they wait before they paid? Because that's what ATG
3: is saying people are doing. Well, this might be a new phenomenon for some of our competitors. But remember, T-Mobile has always worked with a public that has variable economic circumstances. Right, but tell me, how many could they pay?
2: No ATT said they couldn't pay on time. Yeah, how it, many people can't pay on time for you? Well,
3: you know, it's always been the case that a decent amount don't. And we work with them and recover that. It's not a new phenomenon how about the spike? We, the spike? We reported uh, bad debt that was elevated to pre-pandemic levels. But that's an area we're really comfortable with. In that same report, we guided EBITDA up. Because we're comfortable at these levels and we know how to manage customer relationships. So you didn't have the problem. Like You're this.
2: saying basically, no. it, you didn't. Even though, it, did you ever get in the movies? <laughs> 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 well, like but well was, you know, we're, to, we, the we are did. a
3: pure-play mobile internet company in an era where all content and communications of all kind have left their linear forms and landed on the internet and the internet's going mobile. And so being the nation's leading pure play mobile internet company is a great place to be. And you can see that in our record growth in home broadband net ads, where I think we'll be the leader this quarter. 560 net ads,
2: 560,000 net ads. But how about uh, churn? I mean, because Verizon's always been the king of churn.
3: Well, uh, this quarter we reported 0.80 below Verizon for the first time ever in our company history. And that includes Sprint. That's the blended number, including Sprint. We told people years ago we would pursue our worst to first churn playbook and give them something nobody else can offer them. The best network and the best value. And listen, the best value right now is a proposition tuned to the times, because people are concerned. Businesses and consumers are concerned. And there's a flight to value that's beginning to happen. And we're famous for value at T-Mobile. Does,
1: does that mean that marketing spend inflex higher, or is that an area where you could potentially cut
3: cost? Well, our EBITDA is growing in our outlook uh, by less than our synergies grew in our outlook. And it does forecast that we expect to continue to gain net ads at a record pace in the second half. And therefore, there will be in-period costs to that. And so, yeah, we'll be spending into this success because our value proposition resonates with consumers now. And that's in the long-term interest of our shareholders.
1: You talk about churn, basically normalizing to pre-COVID, right? Do you think other metrics are all gonna normalize within the next 12 months? Things
3: that we saw happening before the pandemic hit? It's hard to tell. It's a different world now. You know, for example, during COVID, we saw, I think, an increased focus on broadband. And, you know, now it's obvious that the mobile market is, is equally as important. You know, that long-term trend was probably right. distorted for a couple of years. So now in broadband, you know, we may see some weakness at just the time T-Mobile is showing up to take share. I mean, 560,000 right. net ads, that'll, that'll put us uh, perhaps higher than everyone else combined in the broadband. Industry. Okay, let's just we'll go a little the macro The out.
2: Fed meets today. Uh, I'm trying to find out everything that has stayed in price or gone down. Uh, T-Mobile, I was very concerned when ATT raised price in Verizon that that would be something that's right on, in the consumer's wheelhouse. I want to be sure you're keeping prices steady. So obviously, if you're paying more for Verizon like I have, I, I threw away my phone here, um, then you, the prices are going to stay steady. This is something that the Fed does not need to worry
3: about because everybody has a phone. Well, you know, we'll have. I can't speak for my competitors. They've already taken Why not? major... Uh, price increases. Who knows if they'll take more? Um, they'll probably measure how it went. But one of the things that's interesting as it relates to the macroeconomic environment is that if the feds continue to raise rates, um, a milestone that we achieved last week was that for the first time in our history, we achieved corporate family investment grade ratings from two of the three wow. rating agencies, and I hope to receive the third soon. And so our cost of debt is actually falling in an environment where the Fed may be okay. raising rates. By, are you going for the NFL, going for the DirecTV contract for NFL? <laughs> no, no, probably won't what do compete you for that one. What
2: series do you have coming up? Is there some series <laughs> that I should be watching? Do you know? ruthless. You know yes, I we, am ruthless, because he didn't cut his you dividend. Know what? We were the what?
3: first ones to provide Netflix for free to everyone, and we started this movement of combining media, but we didn't get into the media business. We went right to the big guys and said, will you be our long-term partner? And we've been partners for many years.
2: Okay, who's Petey? Thumb yes.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> pretty bird. Pretty bird. Uh, Mike, thanks so much. It's great to great see. To you. Great to see you guys. Thanks, thanks for having us. Of Timo. Oh, Jim, we'll see you tonight. Oh, that's it. I'm <laughs> sorry, what, man. Are you kidding me? We, we got another we forty it, companies to We, we going.
2: the show. I didn't. I didn't get to the benchmark downgrade. Up, up, of Slumberjay. All right. Here we go. We'll go to the next Look show. Up, Harley,
1: uh, Farley, and Moynihan.
2: I'll try to get it better. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get Pal. Powell. <laughs> Pal's <Powell's laughs> going to be got that Hollywood Squares be, game going. Be there. a good get. All right. We'll see you tonight. I got some new movie. I got Mexican wireless.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mad Money, 6 p.m. We're back in a minute. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.